We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tonight's Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog. Another week of the offseason in the books. I think mini camps, rookie mini camps, or something like that is wrapping up or, or happening. I don't know. Something's happening in the NFL offseason right now. What I do know is that this week I am joined by the lovely one and only Dan Senyo. How's it going, Dan? That's right, we're here. Another week closer to actual football again. Uh, a lot of a lot of coach speak, a lot of body shaming on the timeline. People talking about how much Najee Harris weighs and uh, how little. What was it, Clyde Edwards Alaire? Didn't he lose like forty pounds or something? He weighs like one hundred and twenty-five pounds now. So yeah, it's body shaming season in the NFL circles. Um, don't know why everyone feels the need to do that. But I suppose when when we're this bored uh, without football, even though playoff hockey's you know currently happening and that's like the most dynamic thing in the world, yeah, we, we should probably ch- try to find something else to fill our time with. Alrighty, so tonight we are doing uh, another one of our yearly episodes. We do it is the yin and yang. It is the good players in bad offenses and bad players in good offenses. We'll talk about. Guys to target and maybe some 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 upside, some downside for each of the guys that we'll go about today. So on the first half of the show, we'll go good players to target and bad offenses. Now, this one or the first part of this, the first player errs that we're gonna be talking about here is interesting because typically when you talk about good players to target in a bad offense, you're talking about a receiver who's going to get a large amount of volume because the team is going to be losing or a running back that is going to get all the carries because the quarterback is terrible. But we're going to start off with the quarterback. And it it kind of doesn't make sense because if the Jaguars are a bad offense again in 2022, Trevor Lawrence will not be a player to target. But currently the Jacksonville Jaguars are valued as a bad offense because of the performance, the rookie performance of Trevor Lawrence and because of a lack of confidence in the weapons of Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne and, you know, basically amalgamation of what they have for weapons in 2022. 
So how are you approaching Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne in this quote unquote bad offense? Well, it depends on how much weight you put on how bad Urban Meyer was and how little help Trevor Lawrence had because he really didn't have a whole lot of help. Uh, you know, obviously they, they misused LaVisca Chenault. They didn't have Travis Etienne. Uh, and, and pretty much all of the rest of the players were were injured in, in some sort of like nonstop injury carousel. So I, I think I think we have to put a decent amount of weight on Urban Meyer being bad. But I think there's still an outlying chance that Trevor Lawrence is also possibly not very good. Uh, I, I think that he's definitely better than what we saw. What we saw was pretty damn bad. But the range of outcomes app on Rotoviz is um, usually one of our friends in this situation to kind of look towards finding some some light at the end of the tunnel. And in the range of outcomes app, you're able to search matching players based on the previous season's stats. So, which is only only based on stats. It's not based on scheduling. Right. It's not based on the future schedule or or past teams. weapons, future weapons, any yeah. of those things. Yeah, so it's still scary, nonetheless, even though we have a lot of things to take into consideration. Your top three hits for the 2021 match of Trevor Lawrence seasons would be 20, 20, 2017 Mitch Trubisky, 2013 Geno Smith, and 2012 Christian Ponder. Now, I'm not great at math, but I think that might be bad. Yeah, it, it definitely could be, and it does show his floor. It shows that if he doesn't progress in 2022, that's what we're going to see in 2022 with, with Travis Etienne and uh, Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones and company. I, I think that the case that you're going to make for for Trevor Lawrence, the, the good quarterback in a quote-unquote bad offense right now, is purely based on he's going to get better. And so I, I'm buying Trevor Lawrence – ish like i mean it's kind of hard to really truly be buying him when he's has like a late second round price tag but in as from a super flex point of view like i'm buying on the concept of i think that his value will be higher than a late second round startup pick in Superflex in 2023 well i definitely think that there's a a spot to gain some value i do think that a lot of owners aren't going to just be willing to bite that bullet after one season and I do think he kind of gets like a reset button a little bit because of the Urban Meyer factor, because of how bad that team was and how poorly handled the whole situation was. So I, I think we have to, it's like a 50, 50, it's like a 50, 50% of it. We're giving Trevor Lawrence a pass, but the other half, it's like you were bad in a bad situation with bad players. So maybe it all ends up going in, into his favor. And we see that, that, you know, that big sophomore season that we love to see from players that either struggled or didn't quite get enough looks as a rookie. And obviously he got plenty of looks. Most of them were looking at the dirt or the other team running the football the other direction. So uh, I want to believe that Trevor Lawrence will be one of those players on the quote unquote bad offenses. But if he makes that leap forward, regardless of the wildly mediocre players that they have at the skill positions, I do think this offense could become a good offense with if Trevor Lawrence turns into what we kind of hoped he would be, even if it's like 80% of what we hoped. I think that this that changes that off this offense into at the very least a mediocre one. And then moving on to Travis Etienne, I think the the a lot of concerns for Etienne are how much can he produce in this quote unquote bad offense? And I think that he's going to be a huge weapon in the passing game with 
you know, the rapport based on Trevor Lawrence as his college quarterback. And just that's his skill set. He's going to be a guy who you, you get the ball in his hands and he's going to make plays. And so I, I'm not scared of a low rushing volume. I think that because the Jaguars are bad, he might not average like 16, 17 carries a game. But if he has 10 carries and seven targets, that's going to be, you know, RB2 territory. And it might even be RB1 territory, depending on the number of red zone looks he's able to get if the offense is good enough to have red zone looks. Uh, but you're you're right. I mean, I would I would anticipate him getting in that six target per game range if the offense is structured the way that it's kind of sounding like they're 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 building it to do so. I, I like I like Travis Etienne in you know and he's 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 better than Miles Sanders, but I like him in that type of getting the ball in his hands in space and letting him do his thing. I, I'd love for him to be able to get 12, 15, 18 carries a game, but I, I also fear that that's the wrong way to use him. I don't think running halfback power 25 times with Travis Etienne is the most beneficial way to use him. I think getting a dozen carries and six-plus targets I think is going to be best for that offense, and you know, I'm sure they'll pepper in some other running back carries here and there, and I'm sure they'll want to force-feed Christian Kirk after the contract. And I would assume they're going to try to get LaVisca Chenault going again because I don't think he's as bad as he was last year considering how uh, he was at least decent as a rookie. So I, I I like ETN. I'm still a little bit fearful because of the way history kind of likes to repeat itself. Usually the the first-round running backs are they're either a smash year one or a bust, and then that whatever that trend is for the most part continues. We will know after a year two, you know, if he stays healthy and he just doesn't perform, unfortunately, we have a miss. But if he hits, the chances are are, are significantly more likely he's going to do it again. And let's go to our next player, and it is DJ Moore, who has perennially been a very good NFL, very good fantasy asset in mediocre to poor NFL offenses. So what's our stance on DJ Moore in 2022 with a – Sam Darnold, possibly Matt Coral-led offense. This feels very, and not to foreshadow at all, but he feels very Brandon Cooksey. Uh, I mean, he continues to put up numbers year after year in horrible offenses with horrible quarterbacks. And it's it's kind of hard to doubt the fact that he'll just do it again. Uh, we, we've seen guys like DeAndre Hopkins and, and even Mike Evans with like Jameis put up these monster numbers. And, you know, it's it's hard to say that the quarterback position got worse. I mean, at the very, very least, it's it's a lateral move, whether it's Matt Coral or it's Sam Darnold or they trade for Baker Mayfield. Whatever whatever route they go at quarterback can't be worse than what it's been for DJ Moore so far. And all he has done is produce. Yeah, and looking at his matching performances, 2019 Jarvis Landry, 2017 DeAndre Hopkins, 2020 Tyler Boyd, 2017 Golden Tate. So definitely guys that saw a high amount of targets, uh, you know, a floor of 7.3 targets among those four guys. And you're going to see that with DJ Moore in the Panthers offense. And I think that, you know, the one, you know, part of his game that hasn't exploded quite yet is the, the touchdowns. And there is some reliance on the Panthers having a quote unquote good offense in order for him to surpass that four touchdown mark. But we know that's in his ceiling that 
if we make that four touchdowns into eight, four touchdowns into nine, he suddenly goes from a low end wide receiver one to a top three wide receiver. Yeah, it's, he's been very Julio Jones, if I may. Um, you know, obviously Julio had a couple of decent touchdown seasons, but for the most part, his touchdown numbers were really low, and he was always propped up as wide receiver one, two, or three for the entirety of like 2011 to maybe what 2018 was probably the time he started to fall off a little bit. I don't know how DJ Moore isn't in that that higher echelon conversation. I know some people put him in the tier below. I just really don't see how you can put him put him very far down when all we're all we need is a little bit of positive touchdown regression. This offense is due and we I mean we've seen Christian McCaffrey score a bazillion touchdowns in this offense. There's no reason DJ Moore can't get a few of those. We've seen tight ends do it. We've seen Robbie Anderson score touchdowns. You know, it's it's DJ Moore's turn and it's his time. We know the yards and the catches are going to be there. It's it's the red zone looks and the big plays for touchdowns that we're still chasing. They're close. They're just we haven't hit yet. What do you think you can pay for DJ Moore right now? Is is it going to cost you like multiple early first? Is it going to cost you you know a mid first and a veteran? Like what what would be your package if you're trying to acquire DJ Moore right now? I would trade like Mike Evans and a mid one or a late one. Um, I think that would be my starting point. And and you could say, you know, if you're rebuilding or or something like that, and maybe you have a couple of, of veteran wide receivers, you know, you're Keenan Allen's, you're Mike Evans. DeAndre Hopkins would have been one if he wasn't suspended or coming off injury. Uh, you know, trying to turn one of the 27 to 30-year-old wide receivers plus a first, depending on where they, they range. I think Mike Evans is probably the top of that tier. But if you can move off of that, into a DJ Moore and not to say that DJ Moore is a spring chicken. He's, he's been in the league now for four years, but he's got five years on a lot of those guys. So I think, um, I think if you have to, I'm, I'm more than happy to give up like two random firsts and maybe, uh, you know, a, a high, a high ceiling, low floor type player. That's for yeah, the bench at, at 25 years old. And it's interesting because like DJ Moore has put up like, I'm not saying to say similar numbers to Julio, but probably like, you know, a hair under the Julio, the Dez, the AJ Green types, and he's not being valued at that at that price tag. So if you can just pay a hair above, you know, that veteran wide receiver plus a late first or early second, that type of thing, in order to turn back the clock three or four years, that's definitely a worthwhile investment, even though he's in a quote unquote bad offense. Well, yeah. And I mean, he's getting the Brandon Cooks treatment and he hasn't even been traded from seven teams like Brandon Cooks has. Yep. And let's go to a player who may be traded, maybe not, is Terry McLaurin. This might be the worst offense that we've talked about so far <laughs> uh, in the Washington, I almost said football team, Washington Commanders uh, with Carson Wentz. We've seen Carson Wentz have a volatile career, but we really haven't even seen the ceiling much lately. So we've seen having having him okay for at times, but Carson Wentz to Terry McLaurin, what are our thoughts on this situation here? Well, to be clear, Carson Wentz was good one year for like eight games. Um, so let's not go crazy on on him being volatile. He's been either bad or fine. And I don't see how that changes. Washington is not a good football team. Their offense is atrocious. Yes, they have Terry McLaurin. Yes, they have Antonio Gibson. Uh, they have whoever they just drafted. I forget. Was it Dotson? Is that yes. their... Yep, their yep, yep. So... Uh, none of that really makes sense, especially the way Carson Wentz plays quarterback. But he, I, I mean, they did okay with Taylor Heineke. They did okay with Case Keenum. 
you know, the, the, the offense continues to just kind of exist. And McLaurin is another one of those guys that I, I feel like maybe doesn't get the, the alpha wide receiver treatment. And again, like Brandon Cooks and like DJ Moore, he's only been good. He's got three straight 900-plus yard seasons. He went for 919 as a rookie with seven touchdowns. The last two seasons, he's been targeted 130 and 134 times, respectively, only catching four and five touchdowns, but over 1,000 yards both seasons. And, you know, is Carson Wentz a downgrade from Taylor Heineke or Case Keenum or whoever the quarterbacks have been? No. I mean, it's probably a lateral move, possibly even an upgrade. I know Washington is hoping he's an upgrade, and if he is, this offense could end up being from the bottom four to, like, in that 12 to 20 range. Yeah, I'm just not overly confident in Carson Wentz. So I, I Neither think am I. That, you know I'm not. No, I'm no, Carson I know. And I, 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 you know, I know this is like the, the Sam Howell truther coming out in me, but I, I'm not going to be surprised to see Sam Howell starting games for Washington in 2022. I know that's crazy. I know he's a, th- a fifth-round pick. I know he's a day-three pick. But at some point, like, the, the Carson Wentz carousel has to end. Well, when the locker room turns on him and everybody realizes he's a douchebag, they'll probably they'll probably pull him and just release him or something. <laughs> uh, quite the outlook for Carson Wentz's 2022. Let's finish <laughs> finish off our last good player in bad offense. We've mentioned him about eight times already. Um, he is the perennial good player in bad offense. Actually, that's, that's not true. Until he got to Houston, he was like the kingmaker. He was he had Tom Brady's his quarterback. He had um, well, he, actually, he, he made Brad, Jared Jared Goff not terrible. Um, but I know he had about one other really – oh, Deshaun Watson. He's had Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady for most of his career. It's pretty freaking good, if you ask me. And Drew Brees. Um, Brandon Cooks. <laughs> the roundabout way, Brandon Cooks has Davis Mills, who was fine, not bad, not good either. Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks. My, my outlook here is that Brandon Cooks is Brandon Cooks. going to continue to do what he does. Um, if you need a, you know, wide receiver two and want to pay like the 202, 203 for it, he, this is the perfect move to make. It's, it's honestly a win-win. The, the guy who has Brandon Cooks, if he's not competing, he has no reason to have Brandon Cooks on his roster. And the guy who is competing and needs a receiver can go out and get Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect way to put it. He's, he's it seems like every year for the last like five years been a, a great addition for any contending op- or any contending team. Uh, it, he's, he's just consistent. He's had probably one bad season, uh, you know, in what has he been in the seat in the league for eight years now that that seems almost impossible, but he's, he's what? 29. He's also uh, not, he's not even 29. He's not injury prone. Like people think he's injury prone because he has a concussion. He's not, he's not injury prone. No, he, he's missed a total of three games since his rookie season. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't hear that a lot, but I, I get I I've made the the concussion, which is super funny to joke about, by the way. Uh, I've made the concussion joke when when uh, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, they said they're going to have to expand the hospital or the concussion unit to the <laughs> hospital. Um, I'm guilty. I, I, I admit it. But, you know, his last year with L.A. was was bad. Uh, there was just no way around that one. But basically every other year he's been fantastic. So. Uh, a fantastic addition. I- I'm happy to pay an early two to get him. I think almost in any situation, unless I am full blown rebuilding and I don't want anybody over the age of 24 on my team, 
I think I'm adding Brandon Cooks anywhere and I can because, I mean, it was pretty obvious Davis Mills was the second best rookie quarterback last year. And uh, he was pushing Mac Jones for that spot. If Mac Jones, Dink and Dunk, New England's Patriots, Patriots offense wasn't built for his strengths, that would have looked very different. And I think I think Houston likes Davis Mills a lot more than people seem to want to believe. And I think that bodes very well for Brandon Cooks. And before we get into some bad players that you might want to target in your underdog drafts, let's hear about our friends over at Underdog. Well, there might be bad players, but there's definitely not a bad time to be had at Underdog. Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football. You can draft your team with no in-season management, get the optimal score each week of the season, and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in this year's Best Ball Mania 3 contest. That's right. I said $10 million in total prize money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or get Underdog in the App Store now on any of the major sites, obviously. You can sign up with promo code ROTOVIZ, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, and Underdog is going to do you a favor. They're going to match your very first deposit up to $100. That's right. All you have to do is use promo code ROTOVIZ. $100 free dollars if you put in 100 of your own. Again, Underdog Fantasy, sign up with promo code ROTOVIZ and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, into the second half of the show, bad players and good offenses. So we have the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a, a bevy for, for a good offense. Uh, I'm going to go out on one. <laughs> no good offense has ever had as many bad players as the Kansas City Chiefs. Dare I say, if it had any quarterback other than Patrick Mahomes and maybe like Aaron Rodgers, it would be a bad offense. But, but they have Ronald Jones, therefore great offense. <laughs> 
So um, so we could highlight any of these players, Ronald Jones, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But today we'll talk about the wide receivers, who I think are very interesting concepts, especially in best ball or if you can start like six or seven wide receivers. I think these are these guys are going to have blow-up weeks and can be interesting. McCole Hardman and Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Um, do, do you think that I am just having some like price amalgamation problems in my brain to think that Valdez Scantling is the better play than Hardman in 2022? No, I'm fully on board with MVS. I I think he was really underappreciated for, uh, for like a green Bay perspective. He did a lot for that offense. He took the top off of it and let it, let it kind of flow for Devontae Adams. As silly as that probably sounds because you're talking about one of the elite wide receivers in the game. MVS did a lot for that offense, and when he got his targets, I mean, he put up some some monster games. He's a fantastic best ball asset, and I, I think those numbers will be pretty consistent with Patrick Mahomes as they were with Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, and then from the other end of that, you know, you look at McCole Hardman, who everybody seemed to love. You know, everybody was really weirded out when they picked him, and they were like, "Well, they already have Tyreek Hill. Why would they want McCole Hardman?" Well. Now Tyreek's gone, so maybe McColl can kind of fit into to that space. When we look at the range of outcomes app for McColl Hardman, looking at his 2021 season in comparison to what we could maybe expect uh, for 2022, there's some decent list listed names here. Tyler Lockett's at the top of the list, his 2017 season. You have Corey Davis, who has been hot and cold. Adam Humphreys, who was, uh, I mean, he was he was good for stretches for a little while there. And then you get a little bit more bleak. Then you're looking at some Jarius Wrights, some Chester Rogers, uh, Smokey Brown, who who had a little bit uh, of stuff going okay, on. Okay, hold so, on, Dan, Dan, those are some nice names. But you want, do you want to hear Marquez Valdez-Scantling's names? They're going to be have, lovely. They're going to be bad. Brandon LaFell. <laughs> Devin Funches, Kendall Wright, and Robbie Anderson. So they're only bad because of your just absolute your your desire to hate Devin Funches. To hate Devin Funches? Are, are we in backwards land? Oh, that's right. You love Devin Funches. My bad. See, <laughs> see, I uh, I had a decent uh, a decent amount of of hate for Devin Funches because he had hands like feet. And um, that was that was always fun. So I, I do th- I don't think that Kansas City is going to fall off a ton. Obviously, losing Tyree Kill is pretty important, but I think with the addition of MVS, McCall Hardman, uh, drafting Sky Moore, they drafted Sky, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like now they kind of have more less options. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah. You, you, gotta, you have more to throw to, but less greatness, obviously. So. I, I think I'm okay with it. I think Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is just going to spread the ball around more. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is going to continue to be his rock. We'll see if Ronald Jones can show up and, and do some things, or if Clyde Edwards-Alaire ends up being what he was drafted to do. So I, I do think this offense obviously is still good because, hey, they have Patrick Mahomes. But it'll be interesting to see which one of these wide receivers, uh, along with Juju Smith-Schuster, kind of takes over as the alpha because – I don't think there's a true one out of those four yet. I think somebody will set themselves apart. I think it's probably going to be Juju, but I wouldn't be super surprised if McCall Hardman steps up and plays a real factor in this offense. Next, um, we will go to the man who uh, longtime trade cast listeners will know as the comparison of AJ Green. Um, <laughs> J- James Washington. 
Yes. Eric, if you ever, I'm sure you probably don't click on this show anymore, but I love you. That was the worst take I've ever heard in my life. James Washington, who I, I was a fan of as a rookie, um, or not as, you know, rookie, Debbie, all those fun things. He's been not a great NFL wide receiver so far, but he has finds himself in an interesting situation going to Dallas. Uh, Dallas traded Amari Cooper to Cleveland and, you know, they they drafted a wide receiver in the third round, but it's still a very wide open room after C.D. Lamb. And so I think that James Washington screams in a best ball 2022. He's going to have like three games or four games where he goes for like six at 120 in a touch or something crazy like that. James Washington is my new Paul Richardson. I, I'll never give up hope. I will always roster and always find a way to put him into a lineup at some point. Everybody on the offense could be dead. It's James Washington week. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers still throw it to people that no one's ever heard of. And I have a feeling that Dallas will find a way to do the exact same thing uh, with, with, (laughs) with my guy, James Washington. I, I, I struggle with this one because I do think that, I mean, he's. I think he's good enough. He just as always. I feel like it didn't fit with Pittsburgh, and having a start like that to your career can just kind of end it just as quickly. Um, but there's also an outside chance we have a Devonte Parker-ish type ascendance. You know, fifth year, sixth year, where all of a sudden now this player is kind of playing with a, in a place he wants to be with players he enjoys being around you know, different, a different regime altogether. I think there's a chance when people do make a move, obviously those are rare uh, and it's definitely more rare with players that have historically been bad. But I think as far as like an end of bench kind of guy, there's not a lot more upside for the price than you can get for James Washington, which is free. We'll go to our next player who is more than free. Like, you know, someone might pay you to take them off of <laughs> your roster. It is a guy who might find himself in the position of opportunity. Rob Gronkowski is currently still playing a game of will he, won't he? And I don't know, Dan, do you think this is, this is just Gronk doesn't want to go to training camp or do you think there's a legitimate chance he doesn't play in 2022? No, he's too busy eating Tide Pods and stuff. Uh, (laughs) I mean, he doesn't have time for mini camp. I would assume he'll be back. It'll probably, he'll probably play like the last 12 games or whatever he has to play in order to, you know, to qualify for a bonus check or something. Cameron Bray just always seems to be on the list of absolute nobodies that continues to produce. So maybe with... I mean, I mean pr- produce is a... Li- that's a liberal use of the word produce. Well, I mean, he's had a couple of decent years, to be fair. But yeah, I mean, well, we're also talking about a tight end. So it doesn't take much to be considered producing at tight end. Yeah, I, I would... I don't think he'll be relevant enough to to really care about. I still think this offense is entirely through Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, Obviously no Antonio Brown is, is kind of a bonus, but we'll see if Gronk is back. Yeah. My point in putting Brait here is that if Gronk doesn't play, Cameron Brait will have nine touchdowns. I'm like, you, you can write it down, lock it in, in stone. Cameron Brait will have exactly not, not, not 10, not Not eight. eight. Nice. You'll have nine touchdowns. I'm down for that. I I would be I would happily bet that at Vegas today. <laughs> All right, next we'll go to a player, and we we'll might these last two players we might get our mentions up flamed. Actually, before we move on, Dan, 
before we move on, now that I now that I remember, last week we told people to mention us and ask for Dice Jeopardy. Not one, not a single person. Uh, but not a just, single they person. Don't know. Everybody that's listening now probably has didn't listen to the show when we did Dynasty Jeopardy eleven years ago, however long ago. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm mad at you guys for that. But now you're all going to be mad at me because these next two players aren't probably not probably aren't bad, but we're going to call them bad in good offenses. Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett has gone from the Rams to the Seahawks to now the. Chargers, and this is probably the best offense that Gerald ever has ever played. I don't. Know, it, this is definitely the best offense Gerald ever has ever ever played in. And what are our thoughts here? Do you think that he will uh, be put in a value perspective? Like, obviously, it's hard to like be overvalued as a like a mid tight end two is probably whatever it is right now. But do you think that his offense around him is probably pricing him out of being a value? I think he's probably right on the brink of just being fair priced. I, I don't think you're ever going to overpay or underpay for somebody like Gerald Everett. Doesn't really have the production past to make a, a huge swing for the fences and to gain a ton of value until maybe we get in season about six to eight weeks in. I think at that point we could see a huge value jump if he if he sees the type of targets that, that someone like Hunter Henry was seeing in this very same offense. I just struggle to believe that anyone not named Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, or Austin Eckler is really going to thrive in this offense. I like Gerald Everett, always have, always will. Uh, but looking at the numbers and, and just trying to take into consideration the offenses he has played in, that that Rams offense was one of the best offenses in the leagues. They just happened to be run by wide receivers. And Everett now is going to another team where is a huge vacancy at tight end, but now he's got, you know, a, a comparable in Austin Eckler to Todd Gurley. And you also have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who are right up there with the wide receivers he was playing alongside before. Uh, obviously, they had three wide receivers instead of just two. But, I, you know, he's going to be fourth on the, on the, in the pecking order. That's still going to be tough. I will say, though, the one positive he has going for him, he has had more receiving yards every year than he had the year prior for five straight seasons. So... I am in. Let's get 600 yards out of Gerald Everett this year. Eight touchdowns. Let's go for, I don't know, 53 catches. That seemed fair. That's a lot of catches for Gerald uh, hey, Everett. But he's also had more catches every single year, too. So we're due for a 50-plus catch, 600-yard, eight touchdowns. Let's get it. Hashtag math. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, this one is really where, our, you know, I don't know if anyone's getting there out of their chair for Gerald Everett. This one that is going to cause the Twitter flames, bad player, and we're saying, I'm saying bad player in relation to where he's currently being valued, Gabriel Davis in the Buffalo Bills offense. I think that people are underestimating the value of Jameson Crowder in that offense, and also I think that James Cook probably takes some of the would-be targets for, for Gabriel Davis. So I see him as the, you know, the, the third, you know, best pass catcher in that offense really the fourth in terms of like who I think will have the most targets and I just don't see where the targets are going to go to like make Gabriel Davis like I mean probably his price makes him have to be like a wire receiver three at this point right and let's also not forget that Dawson Knox exists right absolutely I mean that's a human who also happened to have a better season than Gabriel Davis had uh to me Davis is 
is nice. He's a fantastic best ball asset. He could have eight weeks that are going to win you your best ball week. The problem is his other ones are going to be stinkers. He is a one-trick pony. Yes, you heard it here. I don't think he's bad, per se. I do think he's a one-trick pony. I think he is a big play guy, and that is it. I don't see the the type of ascension we saw from like a Mike Williams, where now all of a sudden we see the full route tree. We see an entire complement uh, uh, you know, of lining up everywhere. You're only going to see Gabriel Davis outside. You're only going to be seeing him run goes and posts. That's it. It's all he runs. And Diggs is still going to rule the offense. Dawson Knox is probably going to continue to to eat and and take up a bunch of targets. Like Nathan mentioned, they brought in James Cook. They still have Devin Singletary. And Jamison Crowder, I think, is is going to kind of play that role opposite Dawson Knox, where anytime, anytime Josh Allen needs a dump off, we all know he likes to gunsling and take those shots downfield, but defenses are looking for that. They're starting to take it away a little bit. The play's not always there. So I think we see we see Josh Allen take his medicine a little bit more as he gets older and more mature, looks forward to winning more games and, and making a deep run in the playoffs again by using his fantastic assets that he have in, in the mediocre in the you know, the mid range, the short range, underneath everything. Um Gabriel Davis is a nice best ball asset, but as far as like full-fledged dynasty goes, you guys got to chill. And in terms of the Rotoviz range of outcomes app, has there ever been a more apt comparison for a third fiddle guy who Dice Twitter loves than Ruben Randall and Terrence Williams? <laughs> oh, two players I absolutely hated. Oh my God. Ruben Randall was on, is on my all-time shit list. He's right there with Eli Manning, and I think you know why. Uh, I don't know. We ruined Odell Beckham. Why do you hate Ruben Randall? Oh, because of Eli Manning. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that adds up. All right, Dan. That should wrap us up. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz R O T O V I Z twenty twenty two for a ten percent discount. Get your access to the Range of Outcomes app. I don't even know how you're playing Dynasty if you don't have the Range of Outcomes app. Um, get involved, and you can make your Dynasty team better for twenty twenty two. Any last words, Dan? Make sure you hop on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use code RotoViz. They're matching up to $100. We love you. We'll see you next week. Cardoosh.